Good evening. So, yes, we're back. Uh-oh. Uh, apparently, this is a show, um, and I hope you did tune in at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time this evening for our big announcement. Uh, yes, I it was not. actually super important. Wait, you didn't You didn't no, tune I, in? I, I, I was at work. Oh, my God, Riff. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a, bad, I'm a bad member. Oh, my gosh. Kick I can't believe out. you missed this. Suspend my show. Don't suspend We might. No, because, <laughs> <laughs> because this is super, super important, actually. Oh. Um, we're changing something really, something big is happening at Blaze. Gideon, yes. do you want to take give it away reveal and reveal it? Yeah, something really big is happening at Blaze, and if you'll give me a second, I will be able to reveal it okay. to you in yeah, full. Because we, um, we actually we prepared something for it. Oh, okay, yes, okay. we to did. Announce it. I'll, anticipate, I'll anticipate. That's it. why we had the four o'clock broadcast. Actually, okay. Yes, that is why we did, and you're gonna love it. So it's a, it was a lot happening, but. Yeah, that, that that was the surprise. That was the announcement. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, we didn't have time to, or not time. Thank you for thank you for like actually doing that to me on air so I could get the full experience of it. Uh, I appreciate that. April Fools. <laughs> thank you. Um, thank you. We. You I know wish... it's really called April Fools because it's Aries season. Yes. So, so true, Betsy. <laughs> uh, okay, unless okay, unless you're Atria or my mom. Atria's an Aries. Atria's an Aries. Her oh, birthday's sorry, coming Atria, up soon. I love you. Her birthday, you're I believe, is on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. My, uh, my, yes, friend, my friend Steven's birthday is also in Aries season, so yeah, but this Steven excludes Atria and Steven. And my mom. Yes, and, and Kristen Fong. Yeah. <laughs> whose, whose birthday is, in, uh, is on Sunday. But regardless happy birthday, of that. Kristen's mom. Yeah, happy Ooh, birthday, Kristen's mom. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Um, for sure. <laughs> but yeah, we, I wish we could have had the visual as well. Like we did a little dancing here in the studio, but it really, nothing hits quite the same as him just behind that mic, <laughs> the yeah. stand mic. Oh man. But yeah, welcome to the review squared. We have, as you can probably hear a new voice Ooh. with us in the studio today. Would this voice like to introduce themselves? Wait, yeah, yeah like this the, voice would. The thing on the red carpet. Who are you? <laughs> I am. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, my name is Rithwick. That's my full government name, but I go by Rith. Um, I am a member of Blaze, just like everyone on Review Squared. Um, I have my own show, which I'm going to plug right now, called Pop 48 on Mondays at what time is it? 7.30? 7.30 p.m. The I time slots change every semester, I forget. No, I, I, I do that with our that. shows, too. I'm sort of, uh, it's sort of a habit, a, an unfortunate habit that I make every time I'm like, I hey, know, tune back in at... At uh, what time? Insert time oh, here. Is it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I talk about Asian pop music and stuff I'm listening to over there. Um, and yeah, I'm a senior in Cronkite, which is very terrifying, but... Yeah, I'm happy to be on the show today, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So happy to have you. Oh, yeah. We are excited, exuberant to have you on. Ooh, it, SAT word. Fancy words. <laughs> yes. That's uh, how you know it's a big brain show. This true. is, in fact, a very big brain show. And in fact, as my first act, I will demonstrate to you how incredibly big brained in a horrible way the Arizona state government is. So, that, yes, we're Ooh. adding a No. <laughs> We're adding into my segment here. The cruel joke okay, they're playing on us, except it goes way past today. It does, unfortunately. But anyways, before we get started, I'm Gideon Karaoke. I'm Kirsten Dorman. I'm Haley Smilo. 
And we've got a show for you and our wonderful guest here, Rithwick. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so to start out, we're going to be talking about Governor Doug Ducey signing uh, two pieces of anti-trans legislation, um, uh, SB 1138, which bans doctors from providing gender confirmation surgery to minors, and SB 1165, which bans transgender girls and women from women's sports at all academic levels, yes, including college. So Ducey said he passed these bills to ensure that women's athletics are fair and that surgery is only done on adults. He also claimed that the legislation is common sense and respects the dignity of trans individuals. Now, I'm going to be quite frank with you. I can't credibly repeat this as anything resembling credible, especially considering the statistics of how anti-trans legislation affects trans and non-binary youth. According to the Trevor Project, 85% of surveyed trans and non-binary youth found that the debates around these bills affect their mental health negatively. And this, as I have been mentioning, if you've noticed, there's kind of been a theme over the past couple of weeks with my segments, kind of the war on trans people. And yeah, this is the success in Arizona that they have and uh, that, you know, the kind of anti-trans push on the American right has had. And in fact, let me tell you just how comical the response to it from actually just Ducey has gone. And then we'll get back to the bill in a second itself. Uh, so on Thursday, uh, when talking to the Associated Press, uh, uh, the Associated Press recorded this, that at a press conference, he refused to say if transgender people actually exist after being asked about it twice. <laughs> Very stupid. I mean, maybe he's just never seen one. Yeah, no. By the way, so he can't be quite sure. That's so weird. Like that's such I mean, an odd. That's such an odd point to. That's such an odd hill to die on. Mm -hmm. I know it's so funny uh, because, I mean, I guess it proves it, there's multiple interpretations one could have about it. Uh, I'm gonna offer some, uh, you know, in context of Ducey's other political actions. It, one could be that uh, it was a classic example of I don't want to say something that'll get me into political problems, just political cowardice um, or I or just some variety of, of uh, being quite silly at a level that you would not expect someone who is governor of a state to be. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I think um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Gideon, but I remember seeing that it's not just Arizona that's enacting these bills right now. It's like a bunch of other states, too. It's all over the country. Yeah. There's similar bills that have been proposed in Missouri. Florida um, is a big one I'm Florida seeing. Florida with the, it's dubbed the Don't Say Gay Bill, oh, which yes. that one mostly focuses on discussions and teaching of LGBTQ um, just content in classrooms. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I believe K through third grade, okay. kindergarten through third grade, which I'm going to say this as a personal piece here. That is very silly to me because it relies on the very archaic stereotype of, hey, when we talk about LGBT people, we're talking about sex mm -hmm. and we're not. It's just the same way as when we're talking about straight or heterosexual relationships. We're not talking about strictly sex. When somebody says, oh, so-and-so's mommy and daddy, they're not. It's, that's as far as the, <laughs> yeah, the thought very, goes. Yeah. And so when you say, oh, little Susie has two dads, 
that's it. That's yeah. all the kid like knows, and that's all that is said. <laughs> like right, framing, framing, discussing, or informing children of the fact that you know somebody can have two dads as as grooming is incredibly dangerous and is the same kind of rhetoric that has led to generations, if not centuries, of discrimination against LGBT people. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, no, it's it, this is the, you know, the greatest hits of the worst homophobic rhetoric I can possibly think of. Right. So, well, what, you know, Ducey saying, do trans people exist? Dodging that question is... S silly on the surface substantively it's incredibly mm -hmm. sickening actually well because denying our existence denies us rights mm -hmm. in the long term i think the the sports one like denying transgender people participation in sports is probably the stupidest thing i've ever heard and i feel like that argument gets rehashed every single year right especially around olympic season mm -hmm. and I am like just I'm sick of seeing. It. I've been seeing that mm. for years. Haley, you're a woman in sports. Yeah. Um <laughs> well, we talked about this like 3 weeks ago. Yeah. So, we did. can go back and listen to that one first off. But secondly, I mean, everyone in sports has like unfair advantages to some extent if that's going to be your primary argument. Uh, we talked about this. Michael Phelps has unfair advantages that are something he can't necessarily control. And in the same way, if people want to change their gender, that's something that they should be allowed to do. It's something that they probably can't control. And to not allow them to do something that they want to do or have been doing their whole lives and is something that they compete in to get to the best point, to be in the Olympics, to win a medal, to represent their country you know, from a human perspective, that's not very fair. From an athletic perspective, it's insanely complicated. Um, there's a lot of science that goes into it. But mm -hmm. on a human level, just let people compete. At the end of the day, you know, is sports about winning? Yeah, to some extent, maybe in the Olympics. But if someone's in fifth grade and they just want to run, like, let them run. If they want to swim, let them swim. It should not matter what gender you are or if you have some sort of edge over your opponent. Right. And I think what's interesting to me about this, I'm working on reporting for a piece on this. And I would also love to have a small conversation about objectivity and reporting and what that means in this context. But quickly, I'll say a source that I spoke to did mention that the framing of issues like this as being a big deal is sort of deceptive, right? Because the role that this plays in overall society and in overall life um, in the sense of letting trans women and girls play on the sports teams that reflect their gender, how big a deal is that compared to affording them basic rights and the access to care that they need and just allowing them to live their everyday normal lives. Really allowing trans women to exist uninhibited doesn't really truly harm anyone. Yeah, right? you, you, and framing this issue as a big issue on a stage where we can very clearly see that there's a winner and a loser, that there's competition, frames it in a way where now trans people and specifically trans women and girls can be seen as a sort of opponent oh it's yes and it's definitely like villainizing for sure 
Exactly. It's it's punching down fundamentally. <laughs> yeah, it is. that's a very long way of saying it's punching down. Yeah. Coming it, from the sports person, like it's it's not about sports. It's bigger than sports. Like yeah. it's not. This about is not sports, what matters yeah. at all. No, I mean, and in case in point, it's not about sports. I mean. Where were these people caring about women's sports like ever? If, yeah. if we, <laughs> Thank you. If any of the and yeah, and Haley, yes, I know Haley, you as a woman in sports media understand this. It's like, where were these people caring about? I mean, for instance, you know, let's you know, let's just take, for example, our own WNBA team here in Phoenix, the Mercury, one of the best, one mm-hmm. of the best in the WNBA routinely makes, you know, playoffs and championships. And where were these people? Like not the stands, probably (laughs) most of them anyway. Exactly. It's like I it's deeply insincere for them to care about uh, to say that we're caring about women's sports enough to legislate about it. Exactly. No, this is classic. We're punching down at a group we despise. And quite frankly, the intention of this is erasure, just Mm -hmm. whole scale exclusion and removal because yeah i'll be frank calling trans women biological males and only referring to them as biological males it's incredibly invalidating and it's it's plain and simple it's transphobic sorry there's a there's a really we were talking about like the olympics earlier there's a really great video that vox.com made and it's about how after the first olympics where women were allowed to compete and Haley can jump in if you know anything about this but the criteria for what the Olympic Committee um, like categorizes as female athletes changes like every decade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like one athlete may be considered a female athlete by the Olympics in the 1950s, but maybe not in the 1980s. Yeah. Which is so like strange to me. That video is a really good video. Um, so go watch it. That's another thing for you to go do. But I didn't know anything. The about Olympic that. Committee changes their mind about all sorts of things constantly. Um, this will lead to a much larger conversation that we're not going to have right now, but I'll say it quickly. If we're trusting the Olympic Committee to make decisions for sports, well, then we're going down a pretty bad spiral pretty (laughs) darn quickly. Uh, This isn't something that the Olympic Committee should be in charge of. Who the governing body for sports should be, I don't know. I'll think about that. Maybe I'll let you know next week. <laughs> it's but just Haley, should actually. Should be the Olympic queen? No, not me. Please, no. I don't want that responsibility or stress. Uh, yeah. But I, I do want to also touch on, if we have the time, quickly, because I am working on, I've reported on this issue in general, and I'm still working on coverage about it because I, I feel it's important. And, I mean, I think you in the studio with me would probably agree because we're here talking about it. But one thing that I've run into time and time again has been people telling me or asking me really, well, can you be objective in your reporting? Can you be fair in your reporting? And I think those are two different things. Yeah, I I think being objective and being fair are two different things for sure, especially in what very plainly, because let's make no mistake, These laws are human rights violations. And you know what? I will give whoever would like the time to speak their piece on it, time to speak their piece on it. Sure. But that does not mean that I'm going to sit back and legitimize perspectives that I, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. And that's kind of the trouble with journalism, right? Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. 
if this was any other marginalized group, if we were talking about a group of racists that were passing a racist bill, I could sit here in the studio, call them racist, and then still report on the issue and be trusted to be fair about it, right? But because this is trans people, that can't happen. And that's because, in my opinion, and this is a personal opinion, um, transphobia is still very much socially permissible. Oh, absolutely. And that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. And no, you're right. It is socially permissible. And it's, and furthermore, I'd like to make it clear. Yes, it's unacceptable. I mean, for instance, how could, I mean, if any of you pay attention to like, you know what, those uh, big outlets, I'm just going to use the Atlantic because they did, they've done a lot of this. Uh, the uh, For those of you who don't know, Atlantic, big magazine. That's all you really need to know if you're not familiar with <laughs> right. them. But you probably know if you're listening to this. You've probably really seen an essays. article from them at least or an essay from them at least. Right. And anyways, so the Atlantic, for instance, has uh, published a lot of incredibly transphobic nonsense over the years. I mean, especially from one author who I'm simply not going to get into. His deal is... Uh, in an episode in and of itself. Um, his name is Jesse Single, um, and he's he's a bad dude, uh, in, in my view. Uh, just somebody who spends a lot of time uh, amplifying the trans-exclusionary radical feminist stuff, TERF stuff. Uh, the TERFs are basically quote-unquote feminists. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> who, That's uh, an episode in and of itself. <laughs> yeah, that is an episode. I am having to basically say this we're spitting out a lot of (laughs) new words to a lot of people yes here uh but uh, this might be one of the only times someone has said turf on blaze (laughs) i was about to say i feel like has anyone said that on one of their shows probably probably not who knows but yeah Um, it's it's a newer word yeah but anyways so uh single uh as a uh, he's written for a bunch of places including the atlantic for a while and, you know, he's been spewing out a lot of turfy rhetoric. So basically the we have to protect women and, you know, rhetoric concerning trans people, which is just and I cannot emphasize this enough, reprehensible. Attracting tan. Attra- wow. I can't I'm, I can't even speak. Attacking trans women is attra- is attacking women. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's just what it is. Yeah. So anyways. Oh boy, we will have to talk about turfs right. and single and the and then by the way, single is an ostensibly quote unquote liberal guy, um, which of course, uh, yeah, some some in the studio are laughing at this because uh, yeah, I agree with that. He's a uh, he's a uh, liberal in the dirtiest sense possible, under the least charitable understanding of liberalism <laughs> possible, maybe, but. <laughs> But regardless, I, I do want to clarify um, as we as we sort of wind down, I suppose, um, my opinions are my own. Uh, they are not necessarily reflected in my reporting. And I do still look at all sides of a story. Very true. Um, just because you look at all sides of a story doesn't make all sides legitimate. Weighing each side fairly in your reporting does not mean platforming bigotry. Yeah, exactly. It's like one can be fair, but it's not fair to the people who are targets of this nonsense to elevate it uncritically. Mm -hmm. I want you in your mind, if you're thinking, wow, Kirsten sounds like a total SJW on air right now. And she's going to. I forgot about that term. Yeah. (laughs) That is a term. (laughs) I forgot about that. Yeah. If if that's what you're thinking, listening to this and you're sitting there going, ooh, whatever Kirsten puts out. 
um, regarding this subject in the future is going to be super biased and super terrible, I want you to come back to this clip or I want you to hold this in your mind, okay? <laughs> sub in trans people, sub in trans women for any other marginalized group, okay? Does it still sound okay to you? Probably not. So that's that's all. That is all. Yeah, uh, I think real? that this is one of those we could do an entire episode on it. And uh, for lots of reasons, that's not this week. Uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> I, I think we say that a lot just because we have limited time in the studio and in mm -hmm. our schedules. But um, hey, uh, somebody syndicate this. OK, views <laughs> <laughs> reflected are our own. Yes, views yes. reflected are our own. <laughs> Yes. That is all. Yeah, the standard disclaimer there. Anyways. And uh, it is true. You know, I'm not speaking for any publication or anything like that. No, neither am I. Uh, neither are any of us, no, really, no, right? No. no. All, all in the studio, not speaking for any publication or outside entity, say I. 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 All right, let's move on. <laughs> Just in case any anyone tries to use this against us, we have totally. this evidence. <laughs> and it's 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 sort of a shame that we've got to do this. Um, but hey, people need to understand, and we've got to make it as clear as possible. It's the it's the industry we're in. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not in the quote unquote. Oh yeah, Gideon's not. Sorry, I some mean, of us. I forget all the time that actually, Gideon's not a journalist. He's. I just, mean, he just because you don't go to crowd cake. Gideon's not. Yeah, you're, you're a journalist. I mean, you're a journalist. I do occasional. I mean, yes, I. You're honorary. Honorary there you crowd go. I mean, yes, I guess I'm a journalist in the broadest sense of the term, but I, uh, anyways, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> I, 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 by moving out of Cronkite, what get and staying in Blaze and doing these things, what Gideon has done is what we all wish we could do in a way, taking Aww. the best parts of journalism, but leaving the bad the, parts. Uh, honestly, so yeah. true. <laughs> like, kind of, Gideon can do whatever he wants. He can say whatever he we wants We were just talking air. about that. We were just talking about that before you and Haley got here. I was right. like, oh, you can kind of say whatever you want on social media because you're not bound by any social media policy. I mean, <laughs> yeah. not a journalist. I still like to be employed. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. Really, yeah, all your employment. Like, really restrained by our normal social conventions, right. aka, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there's no, like, additional like school social media policy yeah. that you have to abide by. Right. I mean, yeah. granted, I don't either, but I could, I, I could get in trouble for it. Hey, maybe, I mean, I kind of do. I can't. I don't know if I can name the entity that I'm bound by. Maybe social don't. Media no, policy. please do not. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> um, do I'm, I'm back again with the uh, unusual review squared sort of cliffhanger teaser there. But. Yes. Uh, but anyways, thank you all. And with that, I'm going to hand it to Rith to talk about. Oh. Oh, it's my turn. Yes. Okay. So we're going to, this is such a like hard pivot. We were talking about like such serious <laughs> things right now. Hey, but we, we, feel like bring, okay, so we knew it a lot. We wanted you to bring the levity because okay. this is, yeah, this is the doom and gloom part of the show. Okay. 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 Um, well, it's not, my, mine is, mine is like the opposite. It's very, it's very like lighthearted. I, I relate. Oh, I sports. It takes a okay, turn. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I don't know, like, all of you guys follow me on Twitter and stuff, so you know I'm a big Pokemon video game person. Um, so I saw some news yesterday that E3, does anyone know what E3 is? Yes. yes. The game, yeah, the gaming expo. Um, it got canceled this year, and that normally wouldn't be super big news, but they canceled in 2020 for obvious reasons. And in 2021, they had a digital, like virtual one, but it wasn't as, you know, popular. And this year they're not even doing anything. If you go to their website right now, it says E3 2022, we'll see you in 2023. So clearly that's not happening this year. Um, 
they're like they're like a two three day convention that happens in LA. And all the big video game companies like either have exclusive console launches there or game title announcements. So like Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, Sega, like everyone you can think of is there. But lately they've kind of lost lost their touch, I'd say. I'd say probably because of COVID, because a lot of these companies are just launching um, these like announcements or these live streams of their specific consoles or games by themselves. So one example I can use is Nintendo. Nintendo has these things called Nintendo Directs, which I think it's like twice a year. They just have a whole live stream where they announce whatever consoles, games, news that's happening. And so they've kind of not needed E3 for a little bit because now they have kind of their own version of it. And since the main thing about E3 is the convention aspect where everyone gets together and stuff, that's kind of gone these companies don't really have a reason to announce stuff or wait for E3 to announce stuff. They can just do it on their own. So I was very interested to see the response on Twitter where people were like, oh, you know, obviously gaming conventions are always going to exist, but the biggest one is like fading out of existence, which I think is pretty interesting. Oh my, that is uh, insane. Mm -hmm. I, I know E3 is for so long, it's been such a big deal. It's like, that's when all the big games come yeah, out every like the, year. It's like yeah. the Super Bowl for gamers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it has an impact on the gaming community, too. I'm someone who spends a lot of time on YouTube watching random people play video games. Right. And it's mm -hmm. like, well, now they're not going to get to make a whole like thing out of this. It, like, that's a big event. Yeah. It's actually crazy. It's cool that you mentioned like the, the gaming YouTubers and Twitch streamers and stuff, because a few years ago, they were like, they started to be invited and be panelists yeah. and stuff and it grew attendance. So they were really like hitting all time highs when it came to attendance and popularity. But that kind of all just went in a couple of years, which is right. kind of sad. Because I sort of wonder, um, especially with the growth of the indie gaming scene mm -hmm. in recent years, if that's impacted E3 at all, like, because I think that's it's more seemingly from sort of the outside of someone who pays passing attention to that sort of thing, um, as far as like what E3 talks about, it seems like it's really just big companies like it Nintendo is. that present there. It doesn't seem like they have caught quite caught on to the wave of indie gaming, mm -hmm. which I think definitely could have hurt them a lot, just in, in theory. If you look at, there's like a, a Wikipedia article, which I know is not the most reliable source, so that's why journalism <laughs> sin of the day. No. But there's a Wikipedia article which shows every... E3 convention that's happened since, I don't know, 1980s or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it shows every gaming company that's been present there. And it's always been like four or five max and three minimum. Huh. So to your point, I think if they embraced maybe smaller developers and things like that, totally. they wouldn't have such a reliance on. Well, their first ever three that presented at their first convention was Nintendo, Sega, and Sony. So... Sega's like Sonic and Sony's PlayStation. And Sega, so that one. <laughs> I, can't, I can't do it very well. But so yeah. I think they built like a reliance on those three. And since those three are kind of starting to have their own things going on, it's become like they didn't even give a reason for why they canceled it this year. Like 2020, they had the excuse of COVID and 2021, they made it virtual. But this year they just said, we're not having it. So I've, I wonder yeah. if it's definitely like a business thing as opposed to like more of a COVID thing yeah. or both. Honestly, it might be a comp. I I'm willing to bet it's more business because if what you're saying, you know, on the whole Nintendo Direct and that basically because E3 in many regards is kind of a gatekeeper. Yes. And what they're doing now is realizing in the decentralized age we live in, you don't need gatekeepers. 
You can just sure. go right to the people and make your case directly. For sure. And I think mm -hmm. the main mistake, I would say, is E3 wasn't a public convention until 2017. Oh. It was like an invite-only thing. until uh. So it was going on for about like 20, 25 years just being video game industry people yeah. and maybe streamers at some point. It wasn't like actually public until 2017. Yeah, that'll like definitely... Because I mean, usually... it. Conventions that's are literally open. what the definition that's the of a convention point. is. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like the primary audience of these kinds of conventions is traditionally going to be, yes, of course, insiders, but they normally let the public come in right. so they can get the press and attention and, you know, maybe get some money. Mm -hmm. Right. Like for all the ire it's drawn, I, my mind goes to VidCon, which is the yeah. YouTube convention. Yeah. And that's which, extremely public, like open to public. Yeah, it's public. extremely public. And they're able to organize that pretty well, but then still have things for industry insiders, so to speak. Yeah, for sure. And I, that, that, that's like the two things I think E3 misstepped was like not having their gates open to the public, like you said, Gideon, like very gatekeepy. And also, like, not embracing Twitch and YouTube gaming, like, streamers and those influencer-type people earlier on. I think that would have... Because I'm pretty sure gaming YouTubers attended VidCon at some point more than E3, mm -hmm. which doesn't really make sense. Which, and I'm yeah. looking to hear an article about uh, Summer Game Fest 2021, and that was in direct competition with ah. E3, apparently. <laughs> um, and they had Weezer there. Oh, <laughs> what? Musicians. <laughs> It has Weezer there. <laughs> it was um, it was announced with uh, Jeff Kaylee. Oh my gosh, Kaylee! <laughs> don't ask me. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> not, not me, a radio person <laughs> struggling to pronounce a name. No, but it was an all digital free global fan festival, and it uh, was a celebration. It says digital. here it was a celebration of the future of video games. So there were more than 30 publishers set to attend the event, like a little bit beforehand. And um, I don't know. It just it, Activision, Epic, PlayStation, and Xbox Ooh, are named are as ones. being like some of the ones that were set to like attend the event. So, yeah, I could definitely see E3 taking a hit in combination mm -hmm. with like their decline already yeah. having an event like summer game fest sort of jump in i don't know i uh this is like on the topic of like video game business but microsoft just kind of screwed playstation over a little bit because they kind of bought it's slipping my mind what activision blizzard Yes, yeah. yes, that is, I think that's what they bought recently. Oh boy, we could do a whole they episode on Activision recently. Blizzard. And I, as we all know, Microsoft owns Xbox, and Xbox's direct competitor is Nintendo and PlayStation. Right. But Nintendo's kind of in a lane of their own because they create their own. They don't have to outsource. And when right. they do, it's not like, when you think of Nintendo, you think of Mario and Pokemon and Zelda. Nintendo owns all of that. Well, they have also, so, yeah, all those franchises and a lot of, like, very iconic. I mean, Pokemon is one of the most. Yeah, it's, it's the, the number highest... one yeah media franchise in the world. Exactly. So Nintendo's good. But PlayStation <laughs> kind of outsources a little bit to these other developers or, like, catalogs and things like that. So when Microsoft acquired Blizzard, it really just cut PlayStation from the bottom. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't own either of those, so I can't really speak for like the user user experience when it comes to Xbox and PlayStation. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to like the business side, I was like, oh, Microsoft, oh, you're, oh, yeah. you're <laughs> dirty for that one. Well, to be clear as well, like I pulled up the number. Mm -hmm. uh, they acquired Activision Blizzard for 95 per share. 
and in an all cash transition at it was valued at 60 almost 69 billion dollars uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, i was gonna give you the exact number which is 68.7 but that's not nearly as fun right it's it's <laughs> like it's like killing million. killing two birds with one stone they're like basically cutting playstation out of that market but also bringing all that to xbox so oh totally drive more people to them they're oh absolutely and also i mean they were basically you know abiding by the old adage you know don't let a good crisis go to waste yeah. i mean activision blizzard has you know i think harder than just about any gaming mm -hmm. studio i can think of been hit by you know a terrible sexual harassment scandal yeah which as far as what the evidence suggests legit mm. yeah like, no it's deserved it, yeah no it's as like as far as what the evidence suggests exactly and like the gaming industry like a lot of predominantly male industries in, in, in like sub industries within tech especially is has, notoriously does have a very toxic quote-unquote like bro-y culture it's yeah. male dominated yeah yeah and but activision blizzard even by the yardstick of the tech industry was pretty bad Oh, like, even yeah. if you're using, once again, already terrible standards, they were bad. Like, and that's one of those, once again, we could do a whole episode on that, but mm -hmm. that's one of those, you got to go read it on your own because we cannot even start to explain just. I don't yeah. even know what I would say. There's like a, there's like an interesting backlash against some video game developers going on, especially with, I'm trying to think at the top of my head. I know Ubisoft is one. And they make like, you know, the Just Dance games and stuff. And then uh, Riot Games is another and they make League of Legends and Valorant. And it's because they're in investing in NFTs, which uh. is, we don't have to open that can of worms, no. but they, oh, Square Enix. Square Enix is another one that invested in NFTs and they got like major pushback from their fan base. So I think to your point about indie game developers, there's like this mistrust-ish now of like, of the big developers these except nintendo nintendo's like in their own <laughs> they're like, just kind of doing their own thing. they're kind of like in their own they created that lane they're good but like everyone else is is really like on the chopping block which is crazy right and i do want to also give a slight update to the activision blizzard scandal news um a u.s judge approved an 18 million dollar settlement between them and the equal employment opportunity commission so that was one of several discrimination lawsuits that was brought to a close on Tuesday. Um, was this a uh, case filed before or after the acquisition? Do you before. So before, that was okay. filed before the acquisition, but they do still uh, um, face several suits filed by former employees, mm. the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing, and shareholders who are accusing the company of widespread sex discrimination. To be clear, they're not out of the woods yet, not even yeah. close. But it's, this it's crazy is, that this like, is big news. It is crazy that like Microsoft would just want to acquire them when they're I mean, going through all that. Once again, I what I was what I preface this with is not don't let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah. They mm -hmm. see a, a company, it's like you're on fire. Like there is nowhere to go for you but down. Mm -hmm. They're basically trying to down into their arms. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so what yeah, they're doing, what Microsoft did there was from a business perspective, very smart. It's mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. they can afford to take the hit of all those settlements. Microsoft's yeah. doing pretty well financially right now. True. Right. So it's like they'll take the hit of the settlements and the Activision share, Blizzard shareholders will go off with some amount of money rather than 
virtually nothing, okay. which is yeah. what they probably would have gotten. Poor if this Sony, continued. man. They don't really <laughs> excel in any field uh, they're in because they're, they, you know, obviously everyone's heard about the Spider-Man Marvel situation with their films. Right. And, uh, and this with Microsoft, it's like, wow. Tough. I kind of feel bad for that. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> what, what is it to, to quote another another beloved property that's rough buddy <laughs> um true we uh, love avatar i do also want to give another quick update on this conversation the news surrounding this because a group of four u.s senators actually sent a letter to the ftc the federal trade commission to review the deal between microsoft and activation Ooh. blizzard um they sent the letter to ftc chairwoman lena khan and they raised concerns that the plan acquisition would undermine calls for accountability over alleged misconduct. Ah, so that was reported just yesterday. Oh, interesting, boy. Interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of concerns when the deal was initially announced yeah. of uh, anti-competitive behavior, which, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that goes without Big saying. companies will do that. I don't think it'll surprise you to hear who sent it. We've got Senator Elizabeth Warren, mm -hmm. yep. Bernie Sanders, okay. Cory Booker, okay. Sheldon Whitehouse, and that's the four. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, those are generally progressive that Democratic makes, senators yeah. who tend to make hay on, uh, you know, uh, big be, tech uh, companies. Yeah, just company. makes sense yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, like, I, again, if I was an average uh, consumer who consumed all the video game consoles, I'd be a lot more riled up about this. But again, I, I just own my Nintendo Switch <laughs> and they're not being affected too much by this. So I'm chilling. But You're I know biased. a lot of people on Twitter who are like, you know, PlayStation fans or Xbox right. fans or whatever. They're definitely because especially if you have like a PlayStation, you own all these games, you want to yeah. get the sequel, you kind of have to like migrate over. I know that. Annoying, it's like, can so. I still get my PlayStation? <laughs> <laughs> so oh. my my heart goes out to those people. <laughs> but I'm not you guys, so sorry. <laughs> yes, pouring like, one out for the gamers tonight. Right. <laughs> it's like, what is that? It's like, y'all be careful. Y'all be careful. Not me, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my nice. goodness. Thank you so much, Riff, uh, for that wonderful discussion uh, on video games and the business of thereof. Uh, Always willing to talk about nerdy things on air. I, totally. Know. And it's a legit industry that deserves respect. Thank you. Yes. Well, as much respect as it earns. Because <laughs> Activation Blizzard, you're, you're not doing, no. Yeah. Not, Not you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a bit with the Review Squared on Place Radio and PlaceRadioOnline.com. Please stay tuned and don't go anywhere. Don't, please. We're begging you. No. And we are back. If you're just tuning in, it's the Review Squared. Guys, do you want to introduce yourselves real quick, just for anyone listening? I'm getting karaoke. I'm Kirsten Dorman, and if you just joined us, welcome. If you stuck around, hey, welcome back. <laughs> Hi, we're happy to still have you. Hey, special guest, want, want to introduce oh, yeah. yourself again? Oh, yeah, I'm Rithwit Kalale. <laughs> Thanks for listening to me talk about video games, or if not, hi. <laughs> yes, we just had a great video games conversation. Um Microsoft and E3, uh, they're yeah. pretty relevant. If you missed it, where can can you find it, Haley? Well, you can uh, listen to us on pretty much any podcasting platform after this episode gets put on those podcasting platforms. And if you're listening on that podcasting platform, 
Well, then you didn't really need to know that, but, <laughs> but you, I'll, I'll, you be, I'll be sending the podcast link to my mom. Okay. Well, she's oh like, we're happy to have her. Thank you for listening. Yes, I appreciate thank you it. so much. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> um, and if you want, you can go back and listen to any of our old episodes. We, we have a lot of them. Uh, some of them are a little chill and some of them are kind of heated. Yeah. So, I, I, I would say have, most of them back. are sort of heated, huh? Uh, really? I mean, it's not like the police episode or something. <laughs> anyway, I need to go back and listen to more of your guys' episodes. I've only heard a couple, Ooh. and those seem chill. So we'll yeah, okay. I, think I have to do we, my homework. We talk a lot about it, like doom and gloom, but in kind of a chill, cool, cool kid okay, way, fun, fun yeah. camp way. Okay, that's, that's <laughs> yeah, kind of our brand. It's silly and goofy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, kind to get into more chaotic things again because that's what we do here. So, a senior at the Cronkite School named Ike Everard. He released a documentary today or a 21-minute video for his Barrett thesis. Ike is a member of Blaze. Go Ike. Blaze Radio. Yes, we love Ike. Um, Also works for Cronkite News and Inferno Intel. And the documentary, if you haven't seen it, when you're done listening to this, whether that be on one of the podcasting apps or actually live, go watch it if you haven't already. But I'm going to assume most of you have because, like, all of Cronkite has watched this video (laughs) at this point. Um, it's about the Cronkite school and the grind that is journalism. Mm. So all of us in here have attended Cronkite at some point. Three of us still do. Uh, John, who isn't here currently, but is a member of this show, also a Cronkite student. He's busy doing journalism. Yeah, go John, do the journalism. We support it. Um, but I want to talk to you guys about what your Cronkite experience has been like and what the schools meant to you whether that be positively or negatively because a lot of the documentary focuses on the grind that is journalism so if one of you wants to start and just kind of talk about your experience go for it if you guys need some time to think let me know i can go since i'm the guest yes, <laughs> yes. yes. do i get First. guest priority yes, yes. Um, actually oh oh really oh, okay i was just i was just trying to be funny um but yeah, I, I agreed with a lot of the students in the documentary in terms of, like, it is a grind and it is definitely, like, you've got to be doing more than just the classes and, and stuff. But I feel like that's kind of true for a lot of majors. And even from high school, we're conditioned to, like, do things outside of just our classes and grades to be successful. I feel like that holds true for a lot of classes and colleges and stuff like that. What I will say, though, is I didn't start off at Cronkite. I was Well, I was at ASU for a year and a half, and I did communication, which, what a great major that is. And I realized I didn't like it. And then because of my time at Blaze, I realized I wanted to change. So I, like, transferred into Cronkite, like, as soon as COVID happened. So I'm, I feel like my experience is a little different from a lot of people's. But I, I wouldn't say, like... Cronkite is is gatekeepy or anything like that. For the most part, when I started as someone who had no journalism experience, not even a freshman into Cronkite, I was like pretty helped out. Like people helped me a lot and there was that kind of stuff. But then there's also, I will agree with like the competitive aspect of it. And me and Gideon were talking about this earlier, where like especially if you're on Twitter, which you kind of have to be if you're a journalist, mm-hmm. you see like all everyone has these amazing positions that they're achieving and some people win emmys and stuff and you're like wow this is amazing i'm so happy to see people in my school doing like these amazing things but at the same time it's like oh am i not doing enough why isn't that me yeah it's 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 i feel like it definitely instills a lot more self-doubt into you which other majors might i think it all depends on how you take it like with a lot of things in life 
where it's very easy. And I've caught myself doing that where I see people winning Emmys. And although my first reaction is, wow, that's amazing. I'm mm -hmm. so glad that they achieved this. I'm so proud of them. Then it turns into yourself, like you turn that onto yourself, that view, and you go, You're like, I want to win an Emmy. Well, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> what am I not doing mm -hmm. or what am I doing wrong yeah. that I haven't won one yet yeah. I or think, that I'm not on track to win one, perhaps? Yeah, I think it's the fact that journalism is an industry where there's not really one set path. Mm -hmm. And so obviously because of that, that leads people a lot of different ways and directions, which is good, but also bad because we end up comparing ourselves even though like... I don't even want to work in broadcast, but I'm like, oh, Emmys, I want to win. <laughs> Nothing I would realistically want to do in my journalism career would lead me to win an Emmy. It might lead mm -hmm. me to win other things that's related to that track that I'm going on, but not. An so it's those kind of things. Right. And like the still, nuances you have to pay attention and to. And you still feel that tug in your gut. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's the odd thing about Cronkite and probably journalism schools as a whole is like, yeah, my best friends are here and these are people that I love and care about and want to succeed. But then you're like, well, why am I not succeeding? Right. What did mm -hmm. I do wrong? Um, and I think as we get older and further into our Cronkite experience, you you get a little bit better at that. For sure. You see other kids get positions that you want, whether that be a literal job or something small within a student organization that doesn't really matter. It, probably no, realistically, um, in the I, grand scheme of things, when you're like 80 years old on your deathbed, <laughs> probably won't matter. Right. I will say like something in the documentary that I think a couple students said, and this is no like criticism to those students or anything. It's just something that, again, I as an outsider coming into Cronkite probably didn't have that same experience. Some, like a couple students said like, people were gatekeepy with their internship experiences and stuff like that. But in my time at Cronkite, that's like not been further from the truth. Like every person I've met has done something to help me like get an internship they had or get a position that they once had. I've never felt like another student has like, like you know put me under and like tried to hide things that they accomplished or anything like that you know what I mean I wonder I haven't seen the documentary um <laughs> it's just me sorry. and Haley that's watched it it's you and Haley okay, that have watched it your homework I gave you some homework I mean I've You've watched parts me of it Gideon watched a little bit of it yeah yeah Which, watched a little bit earlier to be fair um it did come out today and I was True. in fact or yeah, you were it in came out staff. doing it came the out I'm sorry yeah, yeah. But I was actually in Flagstaff on the grind. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of. Which I say, ironically, by the way, I don't think grind culture is... Okay, I think grind culture is something that we need to kind of address as well in this conversation mm -hmm. quickly. Because I think it can be a great motivator. Mm -hmm. It can be awesome to wake up and think to yourself, I'm going to make some really great moves for myself today. Yeah. And for the broader development of my career. But then... If you take that too far, it becomes, I mean, what a lot of us are going through right now, which is I tweeted burning out the out other day, like burning out. Mm -hmm. I tweeted out the other day, like, man, am I so excited to see everybody graduate in May and also to get more than six consecutive hours of sleep. <laughs> no, literally. <laughs> but it's like I, I find myself spending like over 12 hours at a time in this building. Oh, yeah. For sure. Working almost the entire time, skipping meals, skipping, yeah. like, just taking care of myself mm -hmm. on yeah. a basic Bro, level. I didn't, this is not even like me exaggerating or like being funny. I didn't, I'm 21 years old. I didn't get gray hairs until I changed <laughs> to being a journalism major. And now I have some. So it's like, yeah, it's funny, but it's also very, very sad. You know, but it's, that's the 
grind culture. Right. And it's, when it yeah. when it turns into harm, I think we need to examine it with a critical eye, especially, I think, in the context of three out of four of us. And I mean, sort of, I mean, we all are actually from like underrepresented communities and a good chunk of us in the room are considered people of color, Real. I would say. And that's a whole other can of worms. That's a whole other can of worms in the journalism industry, especially in the context of grind culture. Mm -hmm. I feel like we as journalists of color, especially, are pushed to always be grinding, especially I see it in the bilingual space a lot Mm -hmm. where, I mean, I was told just the other day by a mentor figure to be wary of publications that have a separate um, like Spanish entity to them Why? because of the thing? because of the deep inequities there in things uh, like treatment and pay. Interesting. Uh, I mean, and that makes sense when you think that about it. Actually, right. yeah. And we are Never and yet and yet own it. pushed. Like we are still pushed to say, "I see, si se puede." Yes, you can, and always push and grind and push and grind. But for who? Mm-hmm. For what? Yeah. Right, and you see this. Um, I guess uh, I kind of have this weird perspective uh, as somebody who's kind of on the inside and not at the same time, has one foot in journalism and has one foot out. Uh, Double agent. uh, Yes, (laughs) Uh, which I guess makes me have a lot of lot of thoughts about journalism that somebody who is not actually going to be a journalist for Mm -hmm. a career does not have very frequently. Because, you know, it's the career of most of my friends. It's the... You know, the club I am most involved in. The whole organization, yeah. Yeah, Blaze happens to be, you know, a journalism organization. So it's like, I do think about journalism a lot. And, you know, the thing on, like, grind culture and how it affects, you know, journalists of color specifically, um, you know, I cannot tell you how many times I've read and in, in some cases even heard from, you know, journalists of color who have, like, said, like, you know, like, I've worked for, you know, blank outlet. Um, and you know, like, and some of these are pretty prestigious ones you'll Mm -hmm. see uh, sometimes it's like, yeah, no, I got burned. I Mm -hmm. like at, you know, insert a prestigious outlet here and it happens all the time. It's routine. I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't mean to single out this specific organization, but it is a thing that's public. I think it's an issue in a lot of just institutions generally, where especially people of color, but people generally as well, employees generally are pushed and pressured to keep that sort of treatment private. Exactly. And no, and you know, and that's just, why I like the don't talk about your pay or whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of companies. Which, well, now it's not a thing anymore. Right. But I know back in the day. Right. You know, it's starting to change. Mm-hmm. And for the record, talking about your pay is 100 percent legal. Yes. Um, so uh, <laughs> please do that. Yes. It helps, especially it, mm-hmm. people like us who are getting started. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no, like to say, you know, I'm, I'm not here to single out this specific organization, but it just happened recently enough in the past few months. NPR has had a huge exodus of, you know, of. Uh, black and Latino journalists, black, Latino, and even, yes, yeah, journalists especially, um, have just been walking out of NPR over the past, like, year uh, or so. And, you, you know, they've lost some pretty big stars over there. And I mm-hmm. guess, once again, not singling out any organization just here. A that, I think, just I a recent example. I think it's recent, also yeah. like a, like a, I don't know if every publication does this, so I'm generalizing, but like also like the forced 
diversity or the need the diversity just to have diversity not to actually mm, yeah, yeah, say the same thing, thing. <laughs> yeah. thank you that it's like, it's like having so pushing diversity because you want to get the points of the moral points but mm -hmm. not actually caring about said diverse which workforce i think can we all can we all agree because <laughs> i don't know if all of us in, in here are considered people of color like but I do know all of us are considered people of marginalized backgrounds. True. And can we all say I if you feel <laughs> that tokenism sucks? I. 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 And on a personal level, I meant that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's so horrible. And, it, you know, I really wish we could have a longer discussion about this. But unfortunately, I, tonight hey, we cannot. You can go. Uh, sorry to keep dragging you back to old episodes. But we have one with someone named Janelle where we talked a lot Janelle. about this. Uh, that was like Christmas this is homework time for me too. Last for me year. to go back. Yeah, and sorry, listen to these. I, we <laughs> talked about journalism a lot. Gosh, um, I, I love Janelle. By the way, if Janelle, if you ever hear this, mwah, that yeah, <laughs> that was a big one. And Kirsten and I really went on a tangent about uh, tokenizing yes. people. Yes, <laughs> but anyways, no. That uh, I do want to thank you all so much for listening tonight. It you know as always it the review squared can always be a journey a roller coaster of difficult and less difficult conversations so thank you for staying strapped um rith where can they find you and what you do uh you can find me on basically every social media at pokey fan rithwick p-o-k-e-f-a-n-r-a-t-h-w-i-k i tweet a lot of things that aren't very journalism-y or but very professional, very but they're very fun and they have character. So I hope people enjoy that. Hey, neither do I. I literally <laughs> go on Twitter and start making stuff. It's uh, fun. You don't have to use up. it as a brand. You can just use it for fun. Exactly. Yeah. I, that's what I love, not being in the journalism industry. <laughs> I don't I do not do the brand thing. I just say stupid stuff on Twitter.com and watch as everybody <laughs> starts flooding my mentions saying, Gideon, what? <laughs> you tippity tap the silly little keys and then tippity tap the silly little blue button <laughs> and people and people like and it and people like and retweet <laughs> yeah but anyways uh thank you all for listening to the review squared you can find us on twitter and instagram at review underscore squared at review underscore squared we sometimes tippity tap our silly uh, little also, keyboard on if there if you're a friend of ours like rith and you want to be on the show please let us know you can tweet us or email yeah that's literally us what i did something yeah like, we tweeted like them guests. saying you guys should have me on the show and then they did but so, we'll like, only have please. you on if you're cool like rith is yeah, yeah you have to be exactly. cool, cool fun, fun stuff. hot like me <laughs> okay we gotta go yes we do actually have to go thank you so much for listening Bye. we'll be back next week at 7 p.m. Same time. Same, same time, place. same place. Blaze Radio, blazeradioonline.com. Be and there, be square. Yes. Bye. The song at the start of the episode is dedicated to the press by Betty Davis, and the music you hear is by Springtime.